0: Welcome. You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for December 31st, 2022 Saturday reading of the Arapahoe County News. My name is Pablo. Today, we will be reading the following main articles. What a year! A Look at the Headlines and Stories That Fail Aurora News End-to-End by Sentinel Staff. 2023 Growing Voices. Aurora Students Offer Stark Reflections on the American Dream by Students of William Smith School. Colorado Wildfires Grow More Unpredictable as Officials Ignore Warnings by Jennifer Oldham. After Racist Video fur. Aurora Council Member Apologizes for Anyone I Did Offend by Max Levy and following up with miscellaneous articles. What a year! A look at the headlines and stories that fill Aurora News end-to-end by Sentinel staff December 29, 2022. The city is on its third police chief in less than a year emotions, and stunning history was drawn back as Aurora marked 10 years since the Aurora Theater shooting. Hoping to ride a, quote, red wave, unquote, into regaining political ground lost the past several years, Republicans statewide instead lost every race for statewide offices and lost even more ground in the legislature. Those are barely even the highlights of a year filled with highlights. Here's a selection of the many headlines that made 2022 a memorable year. Aurora remembers the theater shooting a decade later. A decade after a gunman killed 12 people and wounded dozens more at a packed movie theater during a midnight premiere of, quote, The Dark Night Rises, unquote there is still one word that sticks with victims, their families, and the community. Resilience. After the shooting, quote, Aurora really showed up for one another, unquote. Heather Dearman said in July when her family released balloons on the Aurora Great Lawn in honor of her six-year-old cousin, Veronica Moser-Sullivan. But, quote, It wasn't the shooting that made us tough and gave us the strength to carry on, it was our resilience that did that. Ten years have passed since July 20th, 2012, but emotions are still raw. The community still grieves tremendous loss, and gun law reform continues to be a major issue, just as it was in the days following the shooting. In many ways, Resilience from the shooting has fueled change in more ways than one. Senator-elect Tom Sullivan, the father of a 27-year-old man killed in the shooting, has made gun control a central part of his political platform. He plans to take further action, possibly with raising the age to buy assault-style weapons in January when the new legislative session starts. Resilience has also pushed the community to keep remembering the lives lost. After her son, A.J. Boyk, was killed in the Aurora Theater shooting, Teresa Hoover said she couldn't imagine making it through the next 10 minutes, let alone the following 10 years. For her, the decade has been marked by missed firsts, missed birthdays, missed graduations, and many other events that A.J. should have been at. But through her faith, it's also brought growth and a measure of peace, she said. This year, Capital Six Brewing partnered with Buick's family to brew, quote, A.J.'s Haze, unquote, a hazy IPA with a citrus aftertaste. A portion of the proceeds from each of the beers sold will go to the 720 Memorial Foundation, quote, I think it's best to do something good instead of making it a sad day. Unquote. Hoover said in July, as friends and family gathered for the official public release of the brew, survivors have found great strength in resilience too. Zach Goldich, who was in high school at the time of the shooting, Hopes he's able to positively alter the path of another Aurora Public Schools student with a life-changing scholarship made possible through the Hero's Journey 5K, which had its inaugural race this summer. Entry fees went toward a scholarship for an Aurora Public Schools student that culminates a dream Golditch, who graduated from Gateway High School a year after the tragedy, has had for a long time. Quote, My life was changed that night, and hopefully, this scholarship can change the life of another student in a good way. Unquote. Golditch, 27 told the Sentinel. This year, Colorado experienced another mass shooting, this time in Colorado Springs at a gay nightclub where five people were killed. In response, local city lawmakers, who know the pain a community faces after such an event, affirmed their support for the LGBTQ community. Asylum Seeker dies in GEO custody. The public is still awaiting details on the death of Melvin Ariel Calero Mendoza, who was in a privately owned immigration detention center in Aurora when he was rushed to the hospital and then pronounced dead October 14th. Calero Mendoza had been at the facility since May 2nd, according to ICE. He was apprehended by U.S Border Patrol April 13th and was at the Aurora facility awaiting completion of his removal proceedings. On October 5th, a judge with the Executive Office of Immigration Review ordered Calero Mendoza’s removal and denied all relief. A 30-day period was granted before removal to accommodate any potential appeals. As of this publishing, the autopsy was not yet available from the Adam County Coroner's Office, which handles such investigations. Aurora gets Omicron Boosters vaccine education. While 2022 marked the second full year of living with COVID-19, its fallout and targeted vaccines, Local leaders are still working to encourage people to get them. Omicron boosters arrived in this state in early September. Quote, I eagerly rolled up my sleeve to get the Omicron vaccine dose because it's a safe and easy way that I can protect my family and our community and have peace of mind. These updated vaccines went through a thorough approval process and now we are thrilled they are finally available to protect Coloradans from the Omicron variants, unquote. Governor Jared Polis said in a statement following his jab this fall, Since then, as more people shed masks and abandon social distancing measures, local health organizations, and even school districts have taken on the task of informing the community of how important COVID-19 vaccines are in preventing serious illness, which in some cases can still cause death. This semester, Aurora Public Schools received a grant from the Institute for Educational Leadership and Kaiser Permanente specifically for increasing COVID-19 vaccine confidence and improving vaccine equity. B. Lewis, a community schools impact manager at APS, said that in 2020, the district realized that there was a lot of misinformation circulating about the vaccine and decided to partner with Tri-County to make sure it was consistently delivering accurate and reliable information to students and their families. With the conclusion of the Tri-County Health Department, individual county health departments in Adams, Arapahoe, and Douglas Counties will take on infectious disease prevention efforts. Sentinel Staff Aurora Gets Immersive Dali much changed in Aurora this year, including the city's notoriety for art. Quote, Dali Alive, unquote, a 13,000 square foot immersive display at Stanley Marketplace made its debut in North Aurora. Salvador Dali is known for his art, but mostly for his personality that accompanied his art the immersive exhibit puts both on display and shows visitors the man behind the images that have become iconic. Similar to other immersive exhibits that have come before it, giant dancing versions of some of Dali's most well-known works tower over guests. Quote, the persistence of memory, unquote, which was apparently inspired by a piece of camembert cheese melting in the heat. And quote, dream caused by the flight of a bee, unquote, painted of his muse gala, well after the artist's prime, are both among the images that float around the space. Dolly Alive unquote, runs through January twenty ninth at the Hangar in Stanley Marketplace, two five zero one North Dallas Street. Tickets for adults start at $39 with discounts for children and seniors. For more information and to buy tickets, visit theloom.com. Kara Mason, Sentinel Managing Editor 2023 Growing Voices Aurora students offer stark reflections on the American dream by students of William Smith High School. December thirtieth, two 2022. Amid the seemingly endless clamoring among adults to define what challenges our communities and how we can best meet those challenges, especially fundamental ones, the voices of the next generation are often overlooked. Here are some of them, and here's what they say. Quote, my family has taught me that the American dream is a rocky path for people of color. Nosalin de la Torre Perez, a student at William Smith High School in Aurora, wrote as part of a quote, American dream unquote, project for the class of 2023. Quote, By taking action, we can create a better way of living. Unquote. The annual American Dream project is coordinated chiefly by teacher Peter Baer and is published as a testament to the often unheard voices in a noisy adult world. The students were in ninth grade when they wrote and published this book. Quote, Another problem my family and I deal with is social discrimination, not just in professional places, but sometimes when we are just having family time in public places, unquote, writes Saraya Rose Amir, quote, my grandpa says that he was discriminated against his whole life. He told me that people in stores would yell at him to go back to where he came from, although he is from here. He is a fifth generation Coloradan, unquote. The Sentinel regularly brings readers a vast range of news and opinions from sources across the city and even the nation. This week, however, the parent corporation of the Sentinel is offering readers this space for a longer look at what some of Aurora's younger residents have to say about what is often considered the foundation of our society, seeking the American dream. This newspaper publication of the William Smith High School American Dream essay project is sponsored by the Colorado Journalism Investment Group, which currently holds and operates Sentinel Colorado. Ownership of the Sentinel under a new community board and model is scheduled to take place after the first of the year. Watch for details. To hear Aurora's growing voices on the topic of the American dream, read on. Alexis Louise Bahena The ideal, quote, American dream, unquote, has been blurred out by power, prestige, pleasures, and possessions that are meant to make us happy and to feel adored. My sister told me her American dream is to succeed in her career and to create a stable future for her family and children. She hopes to finish her nursing education and to get her BSN to work as a nurse and eventually travel as a travel nurse. She also hopes to get married, have a family, and have children. My sister, Hilary Bahena, also said, Unfortunately, there's a lot of racism and segregation prominent today. The ideal American dream consists of materialistic things that are meant to make us happy. Unquote. This impacted me by showing me that I always had an American dream made of possessions that I wanted. Toys and objects like Louis Vuitton, luxury stuff. In reality... The American dream should not be made up of possessions. It should be made up of things that would help the world, not hurt it. A good start is more acceptance of people not making fun of their weight or race. That would be a good starting point. To give opportunities because not everyone gets an equal opportunity. The quote, American dream, unquote, is also sometimes not reachable because there are language and skin color barriers that make it harder. Quote, my American dream for this country would be to have great fathers and mothers to raise children and teach them great virtues. Aristotle said, without virtue there is no friendship. Unquote. According to my sister, Carla Welch, many children are left to adoption, or their dad or mom leaves, but a great nation needs good parents to teach their kids to love. Without love, people become ignorant and selfish, and that's the point we're at right now. All people care about is power, and that's all they want, and they become in love with themselves and have no place in their heart to love anyone. They are only in love with power and possessions. Each kid should have parents to teach them to love and to teach them virtues or we will become incapable of loving one another and ourselves, our chats all they want, and they become in love with themselves and have no place in their heart to love anyone. They are only in love with power and possessions. Each kid should have parents to teach them to love and to teach them virtues or we will become incapable of loving one another and ourselves. My dad told me his struggles in life, how they came to this country to give us a better life and more opportunities. He told me how hard he works to give us what we want. I sat down and kept talking to him and he started talking to me about how bad he would want my life. If he were a little kid, how he would want the shoes I had, the clothes, the privileges I had, because all his life he has been working for what he has right now. I see that the kids that have Mexican roots or take things for granted, how they don't push themselves in school or just do stupid stuff. How our parents maybe never got an education or got one but never finished because it costs money and your grandparents couldn't afford it for them. How we don't use our resources to think about how we were born here. We take that for granted. As my mom says, Ponte las pilas, a metaphor in Spanish that means to be focused and pay attention. My mom always says to do good in school, to do well in life and succeed, because all your parents want is the best for you. They don't want to see you struggling. If they did, they would want you to try again, to keep your head and stand up. Your parents try their hardest to give you what you want, but we don't help them. I've learned that we have to help our parents work hard. My dad has started to make me work for my stuff and I do now. I've learned what hard work is, but I also learned when I talk to him that I also have to try in school. I don't put my full effort in and my dad has worked hard to give me my education. And now when I see my hands dirty or I'm tired, it reminds me of my dad when he's working hard for the family. I also have to work hard and try my best because what I do now is going to impact my future and my future family. From my family's ups and downs, I've learned to work hard in life because not everything is free. Ultimately, a nation can be full of riches and power, but it will always have injustice, racism, segregation, rage, and conflict without love, virtue, and equality. Carlisle Casco, imagine sacrificing everything for your family and then being death-threatened. You've done everything for your family in Mexico, but now you need to escape. That's what my grandfather had to go through, and this is my family's American dream. To escape from a horrible reality and find a better life in a new country you know nothing about. But you'll be free, or so we thought. My family's journey in America is undoubtedly a much better life than what they had in Mexico. My mom always tells me that she has many, quote, American dreams, unquote. For example, getting financially stable and better employment. Her main goal was to give me and my siblings a better life once we were born. In Mexico, they were happy. They had money and they were carefree and my mom has always been outgoing. She told me that my grandpa used to be a police officer for her pueblito, so he always dealt with criminals and problems. Once, he was dealing with a murder, and the perpetrator told my grandpa that he would kill him once he escaped. He ended up escaping not long after, and when my grandpa found out, he was scared. My grandpa is a loving family type person, so he did what was best for his family. He moved to the USA by himself for the second time in 1995. The first time, his brother had unfortunately passed away, and he went back to Mexico. He made the right decision and came to the US, and my mom stayed in touch with him. A couple years later, she wanted to go there herself. At that time, she had already met my dad and lived with him. The next step for her was to cross the border for a future for her future family. My mom told me that her American wish was not to get rich or leave the struggle. After 15 years in the USA, my mom has started to realize that her real dream was to give all of her family a life. She has sacrificed everything for us and someday I hope I can give back to her. My mom is the strongest person I know, mentally and physically. Someone else I look up to is my brother. Technically, he is my stepbrother, but growing up, I was always inspired by him. He has been through a lot in life and he still keeps going. He said that his American dream was to, quote, Go all around the world and see how different people live compared to us and their culture and their religions. He wants to be able to be a general constructor and improve and invest in his father's company. He wants to be someone in life. He wants to be able to live well and eat well, as well as be happy. My family has sacrificed everything for us and I expect myself to continue their legacy and be a better person and learn from their mistakes in life. Many people see the American dream as wealth and happiness, but my family sees it as an opportunity for a better life, an open window for an easier life for later generations. Yazelin de la Torre Perez my family has taught me that the American dream is a rocky path for people of color. By taking action, we can create a better way of living. For my sister, the American dream is, quote, to be genuinely happy, to follow and explore as many paths as possible, and to find a path in life that I am happy with. We come from parents who had limited education and seeking education beyond a high school diploma has always been the top goal in our minds. As the youngest of four sisters, with an eight-year difference between the second youngest sister and me, I was never really close with any of my sisters. The difference in age now serves me with some disadvantages along with some advantages I felt left out in many ways, such as not going out with them as much or not being able to talk about my problems with them. They are older and they have dealt with some more critical issues. As I see my sisters in their early to late 20s, I see things that I could do differently. For example, I have seen that they all had kids at a relatively young age, which stopped them from truly enjoying life without having to worry about their kids. I someday will have kids of my own, but I want to finish college and, with medical school, have a stable job and be prepared for when I do have kids. I want to wait to have kids because I would like to travel around the United States and have many road trips with friends and enjoy life to the fullest. As much as I would like for our lives to be this easy, they won't. There are financial, racial, and even family problems that get in the way of finding my happy path. As a Hispanic person, there has always been a thought in the back of my head every time I go out in public. Quote, What is today going to be like? Will I get harassed for speaking Spanish? Will I get harassed for the color of my skin? Will it be for both? Or will I go about my day as if it was just any ordinary day? Unquote. I know I am not the only person that feels this way. How are we going to stop this? It's not as easy as just looking past the color of our skin. The American dream for my other sister is quote, having equality amongst all people, regardless of their race. Unquote. I'm sure you've heard the expression quote, actions speak louder than words. Unquote. Taking action can have a significant impact on changing the way we view people. For example, if you see someone in public being discriminated against, will you stand there and watch, or will you go over and stand up for them? I would try my best to de-escalate and stand up for anyone being discriminated against, as I'm sure many of you would too. Something else that I believe we can do is raise our future children and influence them to treat others kindly, with respect, and as equals. I know that by helping people change the way society views and stereotypes people of color, we can make many people feel safer. By combining these two ideas of the American dream, I know that we can create a better and a safer environment in which people of color feel safe to express themselves in public. My sister hopes that, more will be done to help people who are struggling to live the American dream, for example, immigrants, people dealing with homelessness, unemployed people, veterans, and single mothers, unquote. It is essential to help people who are in these situations by breaking down stereotypes that people get automatically put in based on their race or disabilities that they suffer. From the dreams of my family, I hope America can learn that there are many ways to help people of color by speaking out or taking action. Kirvin Fajardo, quote, deportas bien, unquote. This is what my mom tells me every morning after I kiss her goodbye for school. She tells me this because she wants me to not have to struggle and make the same sacrifices she had to make in order to succeed. Despite having emigrated from El Salvador and having faced various obstacles, my mom is one of the lucky people to have experienced the American dream. For my mom, The American dream is being able to work hard and having that work pay off in the end. This is the American dream for my mom because she had to work hard in life to get to where she is now. In the 1980s, El Salvador was slowly turning into one of the most dangerous countries in the world. My grandma did not want to raise her kids in a violent and corrupt environment. Therefore, my grandpa had been working in the U.S. with my mom's two brothers since 1985 to be able to save up and pay a coyote to help my mom and grandma cross the border. Finally, my grandpa had enough money to pay for a coyote. My mom and grandma departed their country of birth when my mom was 16. My mom described the departure as sad because she would have to leave friends and family behind. She told me she took one long look behind her at the only home she ever knew and the friends and family she wouldn't see for another 25 years. Before reaching Mexico, my mom and grandpa had to take multiple buses. My mom said she was happy when they reached Mexico because she could finally stretch her legs. The walk to the border was hard. Sweat ran down my mom's face and fell onto the rocky terrain, disappearing instantly into the dirt. They finally reached the border, but when attempting to cross it, they were caught and detained. My mother told me that she saw the desperation of other families not knowing what to do next. They didn't know if they would be sent back or let go, and my mom felt the same way. Luckily, My grandma was able to call my grandpa, and both were bailed out for $1,500. My mom was happy to have finally reached California and able to see her brothers and dad again. After three weeks of living in LA, she enrolled in Manuel Hart's High School. This school was mostly Hispanic, and that made it easier for my mom to adapt. She finally made friends and learned some English, enough to be able to communicate with more people. During that time, my mom was also exposed to some negative events, one of those being the Rodney King riots. My mom described feeling sad. She thought she had left behind violence in El Salvador. Soon she realized that the U.S. wasn't as perfect as she thought. Unfortunately, in 1991, My mom and her family had to move to Colorado because of the lack of jobs in L.A. My mom had experienced a lot of change in the last year, and now she had to leave her friends once again and adapt to a less culturally diverse state. On the drive to Colorado, my mom experienced snowfall for the first time. She explained it like this, It was nice to feel the cold against my face, It was like being in a refrigerator. I thought we didn't have to buy a refrigerator in Colorado. After she said this, she threw her head back and laughed. When my mom and her family arrived in Colorado, they didn't have anywhere to stay, so they stayed at a motel for a couple of months. One month after arriving in Colorado, she enrolled in Aurora Central High School She was able to graduate high school because of the English she had learned, and after putting in hard work into her classes, she graduated in 1994. Unfortunately, after high school, my mom was unable to pursue a career due to the lack of money and knowledge of where she could get help. In 1994, she got a job at Rocky Mountain Orthodontics where she welded braces. She could finally help her family and helped get my grandparents to rent an apartment. In 1995, she had her first daughter and due to certain events that happened during that time, she was a single mother. Three years later, my mom met my dad and had her second daughter. Now that my mom had two daughters, she needed a more stable job she decided to start her own cleaning business. She made her own hours and had time to spend with her family. Life was great for my mom and with the birth of me in 2005, her life became even better. My grandfather even bought a house. My mom felt like the American dream was becoming a reality for her. On the morning of November 2nd, 2008, The smell of coffee filled the house as my mom was getting ready to go to work. However, her morning routine was interrupted by three loud knocks and the family dog, Osito, barking repeatedly at the door. My mom, not knowing what was about to happen, innocently opened the door. To her surprise, three ICE agents were at her doorstep with a warrant for her arrest. Her heart sunk as she realized this could be the last time she ever saw her house. There were many ICE agents all around the house, more than ten, just in case I tried to escape. I felt like a criminal. I was allowed to change and I remember I grabbed a skirt and an orange sweater. When I got out, I was immediately handcuffed and four officials rode with me in the back of a white van. I felt like the world was crashing down on me. I felt so overwhelmed and sad. Unquote. My mom was taken to an ICE detention center where immigrants are held while their cases are processed. When she arrived, she was in shock and still could not believe what was happening. She didn't know what to do. She was numb, and time seemed to go by slowly. Hope was non existent for her. Quote, what are they going to do with me, Unquote, she asked herself. Her first day in her words was, quote, strange, Unquote. She didn't want to be sent back to her country and leave her family behind. She had lived in the U.S. for what felt like forever. She had no one in El Salvador. My dad found a lawyer the very next day, and after 10 days, the lawyer reviewed the case and said if the letter of deportation was never received, my mom had a chance of fixing her immigration status. After that, my mom had hope once again, knowing that she had good chance of staying in the land of opportunity. The lawyer started the process immediately. I prayed to God and put my trust in him. A day never passed when I didn't pray. Nothing about that place was happy. Everywhere you walked, sadness roamed. After 30 slow days, my mom was given a court date and this made my mom very happy. Ten days later, she had court and the judge allowed her to leave that date on a $4,000 bail. When my mom heard that, she felt an indescribable feeling because she had not held her family for 40 days. My mom's perspective on life changed. She learned to value life in America that everything that you do in life, whether it be good or bad, has consequences. Unquote. My mom's story is unlike other stories, but still so similar to the millions of immigrants who come to the U.S. in search of a safer and better life. My mom has worked so hard to get to where she is now, and she just recently became a U.S. citizen. She has gone through so much, and being almost deported is just one thing on the list. Even though this country is run by so many stereotypes based on where you are from and what you believe in, my mom never let those stereotypes decide her fate. In the end, my mom got to be one of the fortunate people who experienced the American dream. Colorado wildfires grow more unpredictable as officials ignore warnings by Jennifer Oldham For pro publica december twenty seventh two thousand and twenty two sheriff's deputies driving forty-five miles per hour couldn't outpace the flames dense smoke swirling dust and flying plywood obscured the firestorm's growth and direction delaying evacuations. Within minutes, landscaped islands in a Costco parking lot in Superior, Colorado caught fire as structures became the Inferno's primary fuel. It consumed the Element Hotel as well as part of a Tesla Service Center, a Target, and the entire Sagamore neighborhood. Across a six-lane freeway in the town of Louisville, Flames rocketed through parks and climbed wooden fences, setting homes ablaze. They spread from one residence to the next in a mere eight minutes, reaching temperatures as high as 1,650 degrees. On December thirtieth, two 2021, more than 35,000 people in Superior and Louisville, as well as unincorporated Boulder County, fled the fire some so quickly they left barefoot and without their pets. Firefighters abandoned miles of hose in neighborhood driveways to escape. The Marshall Fire, the most destructive in Colorado history, killed two people and incinerated 1,084 residences and seven businesses within hours. Financial losses are expected to top $2 billion. The blaze showed that Colorado and much of the West face a fire threat unlike anything they have seen. No longer is the danger limited to homes adjacent to forests. Urban areas are threatened, too. Yet despite previous warnings of this new threat, ProPublica found Colorado's response hasn't kept pace. Legislative efforts to make homes safer by requiring fire-resistant materials in their construction have been repeatedly stimulated by developers and municipalities, while taxpayers shoulder the growing cost to put out the fires and rebuild in their aftermath. Many residents are unaware they are now at risk because federal and state wildfire forecasts and maps also haven't kept pace with the growing danger to their communities. Indeed, some wildland fire forecasts model urban areas as, quote, non-burnable, unquote, even though the Marshall Fire proved otherwise. The disaster put an exclamation point on what scientists, planners, and federal officials warned for years. Communities outside the Traditional Wildland Urban Interface, or WUI, are now vulnerable as a changing climate overgrown forests and explosive development across the West fuel ever-unpredictable fire behavior. Fire experts define the W-U-I, pronounced W-U-I, as areas where plants, such as trees, shrubs, and grasses are near or mixed with homes, power lines, businesses, and other human development. They now agree that instead of a threat confined to the W-U-I, The entire state, including areas far from forests, may be at risk of a conflagration. The Marshall Fire was a horrible, tragic event that served as a wake-up call for the rest of our state. Unquote. Said State Rep Lisa Cutter, a Democrat who represents mountain and foothill areas. Quote, I don't think we realized how much wildfire could impact communities that aren't deep in the forest. It's not something any of us are immune to. Unquote. Unheeded warnings. An early warning of the growing danger to suburban communities arrived in 2001. That year, the U.S. Department of Agriculture and other federal agencies identified scores of Colorado municipalities adjacent to public lands as being at high risk of a wildland blaze turned urban conflagration. Some of those areas burned in the Marshall Fire. A decade later, in 2012, another warning came as an unprecedented weather-driven inferno, the Waldo Canyon Fire, destroyed several Colorado Springs neighborhoods. This scientist fled a deadly wildfire, then returned to study how it happened. Afterward, fire experts urged state lawmakers to adopt a model building code that communities in high-risk areas could enact. Such codes have been scientifically proven to reduce risk for residents and rescuers and to increase the odds structures will withstand a blaze by requiring fire-resistant materials on siding, roofs, decks, and fences, along with mesh-covered vents that prevent embers from entering but lawmakers bowed to pressure from building and real estate lobbyists as well as municipal officials who demanded local control over private property. Meanwhile, the number of new homes built in Colorado's WUI, as defined by researchers several years ago, more than doubled between 1990 and 2020. And nationwide, the WUI is growing up by 2 million acres a year. Homes and 70,000 communities worth $1.3 trillion are now within the path of a firestorm, according to a June report from the U.S. Fire Administration that featured photos of the Marshall Fire's destruction. In the months that followed the Marshall Fire, there were again calls to consider a statewide building code. A last-minute amendment to a fire mitigation bill in May would have created a board to develop statewide building rules, but it was pulled after builders, real estate agents, municipalities, and others opposed it. It wasn't the first time the state's powerful building industry asserted its influence over policy. Whenever a wildfire bill comes to the state legislature, well-heeled lobbyists routinely represent the industry. Records kept by the Colorado Secretary of State show the state's culture of local control and the construction industry's $25 billion annual contribution to the economy hampered lawmakers' ability to find middle ground on a minimum statewide building code. ProPublica's review of legislation introduced from 2014 to 2022 found only 15 out of 77 wildfire-related bills focused primarily on helping homeowners mitigate their risk from fires. Most of the 15 proposals offered incentives to homeowners and communities through income tax deductions or grants, some of which required municipalities to raise matching funds to clear vegetation around structures. None called for mandatory building requirements in wildfire-prone areas, even as 15 of the 20 largest wildfires in state history have occurred since 2012. The lack of uniform regulations has cost the centennial state millions in federal grant money. The Federal Emergency Management Agency denied the state grants from the agency's resilient infrastructure funds which from fiscal 2020 to 2022 totaled $101 million. Colorado remains one of only eight states without a minimum construction standard for homes. After racist video fair, Aurora Council Member Apologizes for Anyone I Did Offend by Max Levy, Sentinel Staff Writer, December 26, 2022. Aurora. An Aurora lawmaker has broken his silence on recently rediscovered advertisements for his sports bar in which he imitated Mexicans, Muslims, and other groups, saying the videos were a source of, quote, humor and lightheartedness, unquote, during the COVID-19 pandemic. At the same time, Prominent critics from Aurora and beyond have continued to denounce the videos as unacceptable and as grounds to question Sundberg's leadership. Quote, In a dark COVID shutdown, when businesses were fighting to survive, with people experiencing mental health issues, uncertainty, suicide, substance abuse, domestic violence, and fear, we were able to provide through a number of videos humor and lightheartedness which drove business and cheered people up, unquote. council member Steve Sundberg wrote in a text message, quote, made over two years ago, no one once expressed offense. Not any video was intended to be offensive. However, it has recently come to my attention that some people have found content in the videos offensive. For anyone I did offend, I apologize and I will learn from it. In light of this, I have taken down some of the videos." Unquote. Most, though not all, of the videos in which Sundberg performs racial and ethnic stereotypes were removed from the Facebook page of Legends of Aurora Sports Grill between Tuesday and Wednesday after Sunberg faced a backlash for behavior that community leaders described as, quote, offensive, unquote, and, quote, racist, unquote. Quote, our now 32-year-old business survived, unquote, Sundberg concluded in his statement, quote, Our diverse staff has prospered since COVID and we continue to support our community generously. In my elected role, I proudly and wholeheartedly enjoy serving all members of our diverse community when the time arises, unquote. In addition to performing various stereotypes in the videos, Sunberg also makes light of the idea that people would be offended by the content. In one video, Sunberg dresses as a viking, jokes about quote, raping and pillaging season coming up soon, unquote, refers to a woman, apparently a legend's bartender, as a quote, bar wench, unquote, and asks another if she wants to be his quote, shield maiden, unquote. The video begins with a tongue-in-cheek, quote, disclaimer, unquote, warning that some may find the content offensive. Sunberg did not reply when asked in a follow-up message whether he personally had any problem with the content of the videos that were taken down and what he felt he learned from the experience of the videos being publicized. Following the release of the original Sentinel story, state and local elected officials along with community organizations and civil rights groups continued to question the videos and Sunberg's fitness for office. Ismail Ellison of the Council on American Islamic Relations said in a statement that quote. The message that these videos send to members of minority communities in Aurora is that they are not respected and cannot expect to be represented by this elected official. Unquote. The organization also encouraged Sunberg to meet with leaders of the communities targeted for ridicule in the videos and offered to help set up a meeting. Sunberg wrote in a message that he would quote, likely talk to the Council on American-Islamic Relations, in due time, unquote. Anti-Defamation League Mountain State Regional Director Scott Levin also warned that the rhetoric used by Sundberg could contribute to normalizing hatred toward minority groups, saying that, while Sunberg's speech was protected under the First Amendment, quote, just because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it, unquote. Quote the so-called jokes. Tropes and stereotyping are belittling and normalize hateful behavior, unquote, Levin said. Quote, that's what's going on here and I put all this in the realm of increasingly normalizing this type of behavior. Once you accept this, it escalates and empowers people to confront minority groups and move down the path that ends in violence, unquote. Democratic State Representative Mike Weissman who represents part of Sunberg's ward in the Colorado House of Representatives, said on Facebook and in a statement to the Sentinel that he was, quote, shocked and disgusted, unquote, by the videos. Quote, this kind of thing is flatly unacceptable by anyone in public office anywhere in this country. It is especially so in Aurora the Ellis Island of the Plains, in the words of our former poet, Lorette Hoven Mays, unquote, he said, quote, to my constituents, HD36 shares a lot of territory with Ward 2, the counselor's Ward. I'm sorry, your origin, your faith, your language, your ancestry, your traditional dress are not some joke. You deserve infinitely better than this. To Council Sundberg, you owe this city a serious apology real soon. Rhonda Fields, a black lawmaker who represents parts of Aurora in the Colorado Senate, said she was quote disgusted, unquote, by the videos, pointing out that they were made in twenty twenty as the city and the country experienced unrest following the police involved deaths of George Floyd and other unarmed black men like Elijah McLean. One video in which Sunberg wears a turban brandishes a scimitar and imitates a Muslim was filmed just a few days after a chaotic protest on Interstate 225, where gunfire broke out after the driver of a jeep attempted to ram into a crowd of demonstrators. Quote, there was already such a heightened sensitivity around race, unquote, Fields said. Quote, and that apology, I'm sorry I offended you, is empty. That's like saying, move on, I refuse to be shamed because of my heritage and background. There was nothing funny or cute about it. It was offensive and demeaning. He should step down. Unquote. Mayor Mike Kaufman issued a statement defending Sunberg from accusations of racism after the videos were made public, saying the videos were, quote, an unfortunate attempt at humor, unquote, and were made in, quote, poor taste, unquote but noting that Sundberg has a black wife and mixed-race children. Other council conservatives, Curtis Gardner, Angela Lawson, and Dustin Zvonik did not immediately respond when contacted by the Sentinel for comment on Thursday. Progressive council member Juan Marcano, whose ward includes Sundberg's business, said he shared the desire of some of his constituents to see Sundberg step down but thought that was unlikely to happen. He said the freshman lawmaker should at least agree to restore funding to the city's Office of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, which the council cut at Sunberg's suggestion earlier this year, and that Sunberg should also agree to participate in diversity training. Quote, the accountability is ultimately going to come from community members, unquote, Marcano said mentioning how earlier this year conservatives reportedly halted an attempt to censure councilmember Danielle Jurinsky for alleged charter violations. Quote, at the very least, he needs to issue a real apology. Unquote. Marcano said. Thank you for joining us for the Arapaho County News. My name is Pablo. If you enjoyed this program,